it's not that I'm crucial. It's just right. I think it's that deep. Right. We'll have to see what God does with that because I can see it going any, all kinds of directions. Yeah. Can't come soon enough. Yeah. It was funny because I was talking, when we were back in Indiana, I was talking to my aunt and uncle. And so even their grandson is like, you know what? Just, Jesus just come. And, you know, he's 20-something, 19, yeah, somewhere that And you know, his dad was, or his was like, you know, there's so many things I want him to compare the where do you want to sit? Do they need you near them? I'm, are you going to be distracted with us? Okay, what? I'm going to leave that up to you. What? I don't have a pillow, so hopefully she'll bring. Hopefully she'll bring something. All right, I'm gonna go potty and then I'll be back. this way. Those of you who don't know, on the back, Mark McCausen, raise your hand. That's our deacon over the connection ministry over there. Take a look. Hi, Mark. We love you. Hi. On the back table, there should be still some copies of our toolkit. If you don't have a copy of this, get one, right? If you don't have a copy of this toolkit, get one. I'm going to tell you why. This, in essence, lives out our distinctives at our church. We exist. The reason we exist, right? And we're going to be on mission to make disciples and plant churches. This is a good way to jump into the discipleship model. I'm going to read to you something as we start our prayer time today. Draft horses. Draft horses experience a similar dynamic in life as all other flocked creatures. Draft horses were made for pulling, and some years ago, at a Midwestern County Fair, the champion animal pulled a sled that weighed 4,500 pounds. One horse, 4,500 pounds. The second place animal dragged 4,000 pounds. We struck out once already. Vincent oh, did you? Hey, we got our Good morning. Yeah, good morning. We were, we were well, let's see what they can do together as a team. So That's good. All right, come on. We're over here. 12,000 pounds. Good. How did that happen? How does it? Because the God math on that, the 4,500 plus 4,000, is not 12,000. Okay? 12,000. How does that happen? Because when you are linked together, when you're harnessed together, when you're with another person, 
or series of people, you go faster, you go harder, you go farther than you ever would. Can I get an amen on that? If that was not true, listen to me. If that was not true, then you can all go home right now. As our pastor goes, what are you, don't say that. Keep them here. But if that's not true, go home. Go home and watch on Zoom if that isn't true. Go home and spend quiet time with the Lord. And I say air fingers because if that's all you're doing and saying, I know what I know and that's great, I'm going to go back and do what I want. That is not what the mission is. If that were not true, then you guys would not all be here, right? So we understand that together is better, right? Ultimately, together is better. And as we pray, I was really affected by the concept of unity. And for the past week, this has been on our heart. In our family, I know in conversations I've had in leadership, that the unity, the purity of the gospel drives the unity in the church. Would you agree? If the gospel isn't pure, listen, if the gospel isn't that Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life as a man, came from heaven, then died for your sins, my sins, just to be back up in heaven and constantly pray on our behalf, if that isn't true, then everything we believe is a lie. Everything we believe is a lie, but we know whom we believe, the Bible says. We know this, and we trust the purity of that gospel. I want to read you something here that we've talked about a bunch before. John 17, I'm going to give you two examples about unity, and then we're going to get some prayer stuff. John 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus is saying this in his upper room. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the gospel. In the glory which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Let me ask you this question. Was anybody by a show of hands, and I'd love to see if you've got the memory for this one, anybody by a show of hands, were you saved into heaven the moment of your birth? Anybody remember being saved in heaven at the moment of your birth? Look around, not one person. At some point, somebody shared the gospel with you, either in word or in deed, or the Lord came down himself and said, no, no, now you're mine. This is our calling. This is what he's talking about, that the world may see that together is better, that our unity in the gospel, because the purity of it matters, is better. And that example doesn't beat people into heaven, it welcomes them. There's a second passage I want to read. It's out of Galatians. So Paul is writing to the church, churches of Galatia in this area. And he's referencing this idea that we can be all things to all people if you remember where you're going, not the dot, but the line, right? He says in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's setting up a corrective path and saying, you guys are all one in Christ Jesus, so act like it. Act like it. And lastly, church unity, as I'm reading this thing in theology, it, it, it just jumped off the page. It says, church unity is a spiritual union. Listen to this. 
Church unity is the spiritual union of the redeemed through the indwelling of the spirit, which manifests in the visible gathering of the faithful. I'm gonna say that again. And if you weren't listening, you need to catch these words. Church unity, church, big C, little C, is the spiritual union of the redeemed through the indwelling of the spirit, which manifests in the visible gathering of the faithful. That's all it is. It's this seen by this and shown that way. It is a lighthouse. I tied it into our logo. But that's Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna open up some prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you, being the author of our faith, being the one who sat up in heaven before time began and before Genesis was written and said, you know, I want them to love me as much as I love them. How do we do that? And in the perfect balance of the Trinity, you, your Father, and the Spirit created the pathway that we would be drawn back to you and give up our life on our own, recognizing that you in us is better than Jesus beside us. And that together is better, Lord. And I just pray right now for our church. I pray for Brian as he's getting up here to talk about prayer in a little bit. I pray, Lord, that our people, that the, the indwelling of the Spirit in the gathering, the visible gathering of the faithful, would be as real right now as it was the moment that they were saved, which I can remember was April in 2005 for me. And then at that time, Lord, we loved you with a perfect love as if we were the only kid that you ever loved ever. That's how much you love us. So let us today, just even in this moment, try to love you in the same way. And Lord, as my brothers and sisters pray, I just offer up a whole heart of unity in that short accounts, in that living for the line and not the dot, they become the hallmark of visible love in our church. And so the other people see that and go, it's not okay what you did. You should have yours or, or we should do this differently. And you say, no, I know whom I believed. So come what may, Lord, we walk lockstep with you because we love you in the name of Christ. What I want you guys to think about here as we move into more of an open prayer I want you to take three, five minutes maybe at your tables, and I'm going to walk around. So if you want to pray to this end based on your conversation, just raise your hand. I will almost run. I am in my mid-40s, and I will give you the mic. But we're going to pray about church unity among the Capital C Church and in Cornerstone. Capital C Church, you're like, I can't believe what's going on in the world. Right. There is an impact in Cornerstone. In the same way, what happens in Cornerstone impacts the corners of the world you are kidding yourself you don't believe that. What goes on here matters there, and what goes on there matters here, and what goes on in the spiritual realm matters in our hearts. So take a couple minutes to talk about it, and if you want to pray, please raise your hand, and I'll walk this over. And remember, if you're waving hi to people, I may walk a mic over to you.
So as you guys are talking more and praying more, use that topic as a springboard into the next thing that we want to talk and pray through, okay? So on the screen is some prayer things, and you can just raise your hand and we pray out loud here. And no problem doing that. You can pray about anything you see on the screen, not just about this, but let's direct it more into unity now. Let's look at unity as it comes into play with revival. I've heard what I said because I walked away from the mic a little bit. Revival. Revival. Everybody wants to talk about revival and they get freaked out. They said, are we going to like angels fall from the ground or whatever, right? And it, that's revival in our hearts starts with an understanding about the purity of the gospel. Foundational things make you experts. Foundational thing makes you experts, right? The purity of the gospel. Revival through the church sparks. This is what we want to pray for. We want to pray now in the next three to five minutes that the revival in our church sparks the overarching unity to reunite our country. I was just talking with my new friend Stephen over there, and I was saying it doesn't matter, black, white, Hispanic, purple, red on fire. It doesn't matter who you are. It does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter what race you claim. It doesn't matter what job you do. I, I mean, you know I've been a police officer for a long time. Just because you're not a police officer doesn't mean I don't like you, but you still should wear your seatbelt and not speed. Amen. Amen. What matters, what matters is that we understand that worldwide revival starts with knowing whose you are in your heart. And then being able to live that out in the lives of other people when they say, I don't know what to do. I have a problem with alcohol. As a guy who struggled with that. I don't know what to do. I got a problem with drugs. I got a problem with lust. I got a problem with... I don't know how to not be angry. Got a problem with that? We want to be open and, and spark the revival that starts here today. And we want to make sure that we understand the things that matter, we treat as if they matter. All right? So take another three to five minutes, and you're going to pray for the revival in our church to spark the revival in our country to make some changes. To you, Lamb standing on the throne, in undescribable majesty, you who say, Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication, and he has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore you to the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Amen to that. The Lord in that scripture is in the midst of Israel. He is in the midst of your heart and what we say, think, and do matters. Here you go. So this song um, was brought up this week as um, teachers at my school were coming back together. Um, and I was just reminded as Jeff was talking about unity and um, as we were praying for that in Cornerstone and the big C church around the world, um, 
I was just prompted to bring up these lyrics and uh, sing them. So if you know this song, um, feel free to join along. So I'm not singing by myself. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the and we pray that our unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are christians by our love by our love yes they'll know we are christians by our love we will work with each other we will work side by side we will work with each other we will work side by side and we'll guard each man's dignity and save each man's pride and they'll know we are christians by our love by our love yes they'll know we are christians by our love let's sing that chorus one last time and they'll know we are christians by our love by our love yes they'll know we are christians by our love and lord we just pray that that would be true in us that people would see us especially during this time whether um there's just so much fear and uncertainty um, that they will see the church gathering around and they will see how we love each other, how we love the world, um, and that they will know we are yours by the love you demonstrate through us. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that they may know what is the hope of his calling what is the richest of the glory of the of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at the at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Do you hear yourself, church? You're in that passage. Do you hear that? We're there, we're in the heavenlies. We are united with Christ. We have power. We have a, a, a billion dollar bank account, access it. We have power. And then in Revelation 19, it says, and then think about this guys, if you're down and downcast and you've seen all the things that are happening in the world, think about this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife, his wife, you guys, that's you, hath made herself ready. And, her, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. That's you, dear saints. 
And he hath said unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he hath said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And as I turn the page, listen to this. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. I give every man according to his work, according as his work shall, uh, work shall be. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in your church. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us personally. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing across the entire planet. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. You're in us. You're among us. You're working through us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your love, your power, your anointing. Father God, I pray for you to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles, Romans eleven twenty-five, in our day, not in our, in our kids' day, not in their kids' day, but Lord, in our day, bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. Grow your church into its fullness of what you have designed in eternity past. And may we be at uh, willing vessels, being willing to be poured out as drink offerings that we could be poured out unto that cause. Lord, would you have your completion in our day? May we witness something truly miraculous. Lord, your coming is so near. I am so excited. May your people be ready. And may we be working tirelessly as bond servants to the Most High. In the mighty name of Yeshua, amen. Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded a blessing, life forevermore. And Father, I just pray that uh, today and every day from this day forward that we would just become closer together as a family, as a church, that we would live in unity, that there would be no division. Lord, that revival would start here in this small place and just multiply, spread out in the city, in the state, and throughout this country. Lord, I pray that you would rise up leaders and uh, politicians that would seek you first. That the fighting and the bickering would stop. That they too would live in unity, like-minded for the good of everyone in this country but most importantly, to turn our country back to you. We love you, Lord. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Ending Psalm, Psalm 150. 
says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm just reminded of Joshua 1 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Sometimes it's very difficult for us to remember that, especially me. And we never face our battles alone, and we just need to remember that and know that God is always with us. conversation going as the music team wants to come up. Keep the conversation going. At your tables, through the word, through the week, certainly as you meet with other people, Sunday is not 
the high point of your faith. Jesus Christ is the high point of your faith. Sundays is the distilled look, what it, what it means to be together in that church unity, that, that visible gathering of the faithful. We walk by faith through the week, day by day, moment by moment. So Lord, thank you for this time. So together, Lord, with our brother Ezra, we join with him and with you. And we say, oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face to you. My God, for my iniquities have risen above my head, and your guilt has grown to the, our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers, this day has been of great guilt and on account of our iniquities. We, our kings and our priests, that have been given into the hand of kings in the land, to the sword, to captivity and to plunder, 
open shame. But now, but now, but now, oh God, every moment of grace is shown from the Lord our God to leave us an escape remnant and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God might enlighten our eyes and grant us a little reviving in our bondage. So Father, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for the truth that the cross is the peg in his place. It is a place that we can hang our sins, where we can find freedom from bondage, where we can find release from guilt and shame. I thank you that we get taste of your sweet grace in a way that Ezra never could. Lord, I thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. God, I know I know there are people here in this place that need to do business with you today.
the Lord Jesus Christ. So open your Bibles with me. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's a passage we're going to open with in our calling today. It's a passage we've read numerous times here because it's worth reading over and over again. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to read the Word of God from verses 12 to verses 16. So that's right before Ezra in the middle of the Old Testament there. This is the word of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer, and I've chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I've chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there, here, perpetually. Father God, thank you for the truth of that. Thank you that right now, sitting at the Southwest Indian Ministry, you consecrated this place and made it your temple. And no less so in the temple of our hearts. Lord, I pray right now as a people that we would take that hard look personally and be able to say, there's places in my life I don't have figured out and that's okay. But you and your words say that your eyes go to and fro, that there are no dark corners that there's no place that we can run. There's no sin that can entangle us, entrap us, and tempt us, and torment us, and trick us into believing that we're not still yours. And every time we run, Lord, I pray that we run back to you and not from you. Lord, I lift up the different churches now that are even this week struggling. The church I read about in North Carolina that was told by their city council, you specifically will not meet. And the people said, you can't stop the word of God and whether it be right among the sight of men to listen to you or listen to God, you decide. And they lived it out. Lord, I pray for boldness of your people. I pray for confidence 
I pray for the scary prayer that there will be trials, that there will be tribulation, that the purity of your gospel becomes clear. You've already drawn the lines in the sand and we're on your side if we are yours. Lord, I pray for the teachers. I pray for the families that are struggling with the thought of having to educate their children at home, having a, a cycle interrupted and a rhythm to go back to normal. Lord, we don't go back. Your word tells us time and time again, drop everything, run forward, don't look back. We press on. I pray that we, as a nation, don't become a people that want to go back because you have something exciting and new and amazing in store for us. And Lord, it's been said before that the night truly is darkest right before the sun rises. And as your son rose on that cross and destroyed the night forever, I pray that we remember that. I pray that our leaders can remember that. I pray that churches remember that. I pray that the people that have a grudge against an idol in their life can just put that down. And I pray that the unity of your gospel, one church, one voice, one message, because of one Savior, Jesus Christ, be held high. It's in his powerful name, I pray. Amen. Would you all stand to your feet this morning and worship with us? You are on your throne, you are God. 
Let's pray. Father God, anoint this place, anoint this people, and Lord Jesus, most of all, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come and teach us about your word right now and fill us full of your presence that we may be your glory when we leave this place today. So thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, we are in the book of James today. The book of James is about living our faith out in a fallen world. It's a how-to book that helps us live at a street level. James wants us to remember that God is with us and God is for us. Prayer does that. Prayer allows us to join with our king on the front lines of the battle. So today's message is praying early and often. And our, our question for the day and the question that you need to take with you as you leave this place is, are you ready to really dig and just keep digging? So you can turn with me. We're in James, James 5, and we're, we're gonna, I'm going to read uh, 5, 13 through 16 right now. So is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. God invites us to seek his help in our moment of trouble. And he also invites us to praise him in our joy. God is relationship and is patiently waiting for us to respond to him. Paul and Silas even show us that we can praise him in our affliction like they did in the Philippian jail cell. Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Our walk with God is a community project. Christians are to be available and obedient to wherever the Lord calls them. If you're feeling the Spirit tug in your heart right now, if I read that stuff and you go, I need that, I need to confess or I need to pray, then the most important thing you can do is be obedient to that call. Find someone in this room, go find a corner, find freedom. You can always listen to this message later, but obey the Spirit whenever the Spirit speaks to you. So as I've been reading James, uh, this passage 13 through 18, over and over again over the last several weeks, I found myself wanting to take a step backwards. The past, this scripture talks a lot about prayer, but a lot of people don't even know what prayer is. So our first point today is going to be, what exactly is prayer? So prayer is communication with God. It has an agenda. Prayer changes the world and alters history. Prayer is the arm of faith. So we have a slide that's going to come up. 
Okay, what do you guys see? And you can be loud. I like interaction. So what do you see here in this, this picture? A soldier. What is he doing? Okay. Is he, is he sitting down? Is he headed somewhere? Okay. This guy is headed to the front line of the battle. Is he walking? No, he is all in. He is running toward the front front line. You see the barbed wire. You see his rifle is on his back. He is using his greatest weapon. He's using his greatest weapon, a grappling hook. Prayer is the grappling hook. You see the promises of the cross, and you throw it to the heavenly realm, and you grab onto one of those promises. Then you begin to pull. So everybody with me. So you throw a grappling hook, and then you pull, and you pull, and you pull, until it reaches the earth. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus teaches his disciples to reach up and grab that which is heavenly and bring it to the earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer accesses and acquires the purchase of the cross by faith, bringing and wrestling it to the earth. But how long should we pray? How long should we be like that? Well, in Daniel 10, you're welcome to turn there. We're going to read and find, find the answer. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did any meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the in entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold and upez. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand upright, for I now have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. And then behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now Daniel prayed for three weeks before he heard the answer. And we find out that the delay was actually the angel had to fight through the enemy lines to get to him. I've lost heart after praying for less than one hour. And Daniel prays for three solid weeks until the answer comes. In Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus, come. This has been an ongoing prayer for over 2,000 years. 
and it isn't stopping. How long should we pray? We should never stop praying until the reality of God's kingdom comes. We keep praying and we hand it off to our kids when we're gone so they can keep praying and just on and on and on. We pray until God's will is done. Now, prayer is the precursor to revival. We've heard a lot of, I've heard revival a couple of times this morning. For me to be revived means that someone else was praying first. Okay? The founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, he used to go before lots of people, and he would have a man hidden under the stage. And when he felt a cold heart in the crowd, he would yell, Pray! Pray! The crowd did not know that the man underneath the platform was praying them into revival. And revival came. So we have another image that's coming up. Now imagine with me that underneath your feet is a treasure chest and God gives you a shovel. What are you going to do with the shovel? Dig. Absolutely. We're going to dig. And have you guys seen Finding Nemo? So just like you're just going to just keep digging, just keep digging, just keep digging. I mean, it never stops. Okay. Some of us are only going to dig one shovel full and we're going to say the treasure's not there. Others are going to dig three or four shovelfuls. Do we see how deep the treasure is? We're going to hit the treasure. We, we could hit the treasure at seven shovelfuls, but we're only scratching the surface. We've got to keep digging. We hit the treasure and we just keep digging until we uncover the full portion of what the Lord has for us. The Lord put the treasure there. Our job's to dig for it in accordance to God's word. We can dig forever, like this dude's never gonna hit the treasure. He's gonna go right past it. So we have to actually search God's word to find out where the treasure is. The treasure also is going to be kingdom treasure. Not for the glory of man, but for the glory of God. Praying to win the lottery and then telling the Lord that you're going to give him 10%, that's not what the Lord's after. He's not going to bless that. The treasure also may look a lot different than your specific request. God's word tells us that the spirit groans for us and basically prays what really we should be praying. So even if we don't know what to pray, the Spirit's going to do that for us and uncover God's best for us. The treasure that's been placed in my heart is I want to have the most God-honoring, glorifying marriage on this planet. I want to woo and pursue and allow my wife's and I's story minister to other couples and bring redemption and restoration. I also want my children to walk with the Lord in spirit and truth all the days of their life. Am I digging? You better believe it. And I will never stop digging. Other treasure worth digging for is ending killing babies for profit. 
Or how about an end to pornography, which feeds the child sex slave, slavery? And also for the return of King Jesus. We all have to ask the Lord, what treasure has he given us a passion to dig for? You may even be the next Elijah, and through an epic battle, we'll turn our nation back to the Lord. So we know a little bit more about prayer now. So let's continue our journey in James. So we're in James 5, and we're going to read 17 and 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Hearing about Elijah's prayer leads us to the second point and final point, the audacious ask. Now, this is an Eric Ludy term. Audacious means showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. And the ask, the ask is a command. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given you. God loves the ask. The ask rekindles the fire to the point that he gives us more than we could ever ask or hope for. We're going to walk through Elijah's life to see how one asking and praying man who listens to God can change history and shape the world. So Elijah comes on the scene in 1 Kings 17.1. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who is of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except for by my word. So the word of the Lord comes to Elijah, and God tells him to go to the brook Cherith and hide, and the ravens are going to feed him. So he does that. Then the brook dries up. So the Lord says, go to the woman at Zarephath. She's going to feed you. Well, she gets there, and the widow and her son are about to starve to death. They have just a little bit of meal and oil for one last meal. So Elijah says, okay, no problem. Your oil and your meal will never run out until the Lord sends rain again. And it doesn't. Well, it's still not all roses. The widow's son dies. So Elijah lays over the top of this, her son, and three times asks the Lord, and he comes back to life. Then the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, hey, got a great idea. Let's have a duel. So the Lord tells him to go to Ahab, to meet Ahab and challenge his 450 prophets of Baal and his 400 prophets of the grove. That's 850 false prophets against one true prophet of God, okay? And all of Israel's invited. So everybody gets to see. And I even wonder if Elisha was there. Like it says all of Israel. So Elijah passes the mantle later on to Elisha. So I think it'd be pretty cool if Elisha was there. So turn, turn with me to 1 Kings. And we're actually going to read through this epic battle. 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. And we're reading uh, 20 through 46. So Ahab sent a message among the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left of a prophet, left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and will put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of the Lord your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people said, hey, yeah, that's a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the oxen for yourself and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them, and they prayed and called, it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, save us. But there was no voice and no one answered. I think they do get answers. I think demons do answer. But I think the Lord God would let no one touch his glory. So they were not allowed to answer. And they leaped about the altar which they had made. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out in a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and they cut themselves, according to their custom, with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. When midday was passed, they raved until the time of offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Now, any kids that want to, this is a time you can actually get up and come up here. Okay? So, or, and I consider us all kids. So anybody that wants to come up here and help me with the rest of this is more than welcome. Like, I know sometimes it, we get a little bit tired of sitting, this is your opportunity to stand up. So just come up front. All right. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near. So the people all came near. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench. So he dug a, a ditch around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said... Fill four pitchers of water and pour it on the burnt offering of wood. So can you guys take your pitcher, and here's the altar, and just pour it on the wood. Yeah, all of you, come on. Just, just enjoy pouring it on the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. 
And he said, do it a third time. <laughs> and the wa water flowed around the altar and filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, God's perfect timing, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Today, let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant and I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know, O Lord, you are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Okay, you guys help me with the fire. All right and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust. It licked up all the water in the trench. Then all the people saw it and fell on their faces. So you guys fall on your faces. All right. All right. And now everybody's going to say this. The Lord... He is God. The Lord. He is God. Let's do that one more time. The Lord. He is God. The Lord. He is God. All right. Good job, guys. So you guys can go back. Thank you. Then Elijah said, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Okay, so once we deal, once we know God's on the scene, then we deal with sin. We eradicate it completely from our life. So they seized them all, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. There's not even a cloud in the sky, okay? The only person that can hear this right now is a person that has his ear attuned to the Lord God Almighty. So Elijah knows it's coming, but no one else does. So Ahab went up and ate and drank. That's what he's good at. But Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, go up and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing there. And he said again, go back seven times. This is wrestling prayer. Remember the treasure chest? He hits the treasure at seven, but he just keeps digging. It came about the seventh time that he said, behold, a small cloud, as small as a man's hand, is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, go down, so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. 
Then the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his robes and outran Ahab to Jezreel. Now, Elijah prayed for rain, and then God gave him even more, allowing him to run 21 miles in front of a chariot that can go up to 35 miles an hour. He ran 21 miles at speeds up to 35 miles an hour. Elijah is a man just like us, it says. He has a nature just like us. He lives between great faith, what we just saw, and suicidal depression. Okay, right after this story, Elijah is running from Jezebel, asking the Lord to take his life because he's scared and he thinks no one is left but him. I can relate to Elijah because I can find me somewhere in between those two things. The power in Elijah's life, it wasn't Elijah. The power in Elijah's life was God. What made Elijah special is he prayed and he just kept praying. As he prayed, the Lord directed his shovel so he would eventually hit kingdom treasure. We serve the same God and have the same opportunity from God to show up like Elijah had. We too can change the weather if we ask the Lord. We, had a, we went on a men's uh, father-son adventure once. And we had a guy in the group that uh, was, was coming to the church, and he's an awesome guy, but he did not believe in the power of prayer. And we're talking, and it's super fun. We're having a great time. We're hiking, and this huge rainstorm is coming in. And me and this guy are talking, and he's like, well, prayer just, why do you do it? Because it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like, why waste your time? So we stood there and, and came up with a great idea. Okay, so we're going to pray. And we're going to pray, and the rainstorm's going to come, and we're not going to get wet. So we're praying, and the rainstorm comes all the way up to our group. It parts. So the rainstorm is parting and going on both sides of our group. The hand of God through a sunbeam is actually shining on our group. And the rain comes behind us and just keeps going. Only God, only for his glory, God controls the weather. It's God's power. Another time, we're hiking down in the Grand Canyon. And, and I don't even see Abney here. We had to cut his pants off. It was so hot. So it's so hot. And we're down at the bottom of the canyon. And we're, what are we going to do? So we pray. Okay, Lord, can you give us a little shade? And I, ha we ha I hadn't prepared this yet. We should have kept digging. But we prayed for a little cloud. And you guess what we got? We got this little cloud. And we came out of hiding. We were in a little cave. We came out of hiding, and this little cloud follows us all across the sun-scorched valley. We have it on video. Like, 
both of these we have on video. And this little cloud follows us until we hit tree cover, and then the cloud goes away. Our God can answer prayer. He loves it. He loves the ask. Who are we asking in prayer? Matthew 7, 7 through 11 tells us, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you, seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. For what man is there among you when a son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake? He won't give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? We ask in Christ, and through Christ we're able to come to the throne. Hebrews 4.16 Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help him in the time of need. We also know that God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18, So by the two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. So how do we ask? We ask in faith that, that God is sure to answer and he delights in us. We also make God-sized requests. Audacious requests make our Heavenly Father smile. How should we pattern the request? Well, in the Old Testament, there was the wheresoever territory. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours, Deuteronomy eleven twenty four. In the New Testament, we have the whatsoever territory. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, Matthew 21, 22. This means we can request anything we want in prayer as long as it's in God's plan. It's in agreement with the king. And it accomplishes the kingdom end. You've got those, you can ask anything you want. So when it's time for Elijah to be taken up, Elijah was getting ready to pass off his ministry to his apprentice, Elisha. So put yourself in Elisha's shoes. His master, Elijah, was the big dog. He's the who's who of Old Testament prophets. And he's going to have to take his place. So I can see him being a little apprehensive of being left behind. So Elijah tells him, okay, whatsoever you want will be granted to you. Just ask. So Elisha was the ultimate student. He asked, and he learned well. So Elisha audaciously asks for a double portion. That means a double blessing of the spirit that rests upon Elijah. Can you imagine the smile on Elijah's face? 
to hear, I want a double portion of the most amazing Old Testament prophet ever around. Elijah did 14 miracles, like confirmed biblical miracles in the Bible. And Elisha's asking for double. So Elijah says, okay, you've asked a very hard thing, but if you see me go, it will be granted to you. So let's turn to 2 Kings, and we're going to read uh, their account right quick. 2 Kings chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 5. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at the distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, and he folded it together, and he struck the waters, and they divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah and it fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Now the sons of the prophets were at Jericho opposite him, and saw him, and they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed themselves to the ground before him. At Elisha's death, he had been used of the Lord to perform twice as many miracles as Elijah, minus one. As Elisha lays dead in this tomb somewhere, there's some guys running around with a dead body, trying to figure out where they're going to throw it. They find a tomb, and they throw this body in it. This tomb happens to be Elisha's tomb. And the dead body 
pops back to life. And God says, double portion complete. Okay, amen. So Elijah is the big dog. He's Jesus. He represents Jesus. Elisha is the understudy. That's us, the church. Jesus went up and his mantle, the Holy Spirit, fell down. I give you what you need where I go while I go to be with the Father. The mantle has been passed. We have everything we need. Jesus is the door of entry into the presence of God. Now all we have to do is audaciously ask. We are invited. We are loved. We are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Do you trust in Jesus? Does your trust in Jesus propel you to seek God in your time of trouble and celebration? Are you ready to dig, to really dig and just keep digging? So I'm going to ask the, we're going to, I'm going to pray, but the uh, communion setup team can come up and the music team can come up and we're going to just pray and then sing. So Lord God, I just pray your Holy Spirit to soften our hearts and we actually hear the Spirit's prompting. Jesus, you are the door. You've already given the sacrifice. Show us the way and allow us to walk in it audaciously. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for everything that you are doing in our lives. We ask you to continue us down the journey you have for us. Lord, what is the treasure in our hearts that you have given us a passion to dig for? Allow us to dig for that treasure and to never stop. We need you, Jesus. And we want to continue the prayer that has been ongoing for 2,000 years. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Father. As we, um, as we are preparing to come to the table right now, we're just gonna, we're gonna sing like a little bit of a song. Just um, a reminder, the mic is still up here. So if any of you, if God is leading any of you guys to share something, it can be in the middle of a song. We will stop playing. And like, if, if God's just stirring you, please come up. The mic's just right by the community table right there. So just if God's leading you, you can say something if you want.
reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them i have earnestly desired to eat this passover with you before i suffer and i say to you i shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of god and when he has taken his cup and given thanks he said take this and share it among yourselves for i say to you i will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your body and what you've done for us. He broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup, which is poured out for you is new, the new covenant of my blood. Maranatha Lord, come Lord Jesus, come. This is all in remembrance of you. Help us to never forget. Allow us to be on your kingdom journey, your kingdom business, for your kingdom plan and your kingdom time, and never allow us to stop. Help us to be that soldier running toward the front of the enemy line with our grappling hook ready, asking audaciously in your name, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
wrestling with him. One of the passages that Brian did a wonderful job walking through says, if any of you are sick, let him call on the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective prayer of the righteous man can accomplish much. And we have seen God do some miraculous things even here in this time. Through the power of prayer, I'm looking at my sweet sister Stephanie here who, who hobbled her way in here a couple weeks ago and asked us to pray over her and walked out healed. I see my brother Jack, I don't know where he is now, but Jack Poor, who after multiple heart attacks and was asking for prayer, is here today, less than a week later, to just praise the Lord through it all. Right? I saw Alex, where's Alex at? Alex, who has been released from the bondage of just some besetting sin, because he's just openly confessed it to brothers and over him and with him. And so I share all that to say that I, I feel like there is somebody here or somebody's here who need prayer for physical healing, for spiritual just revival, renewal, maybe it's new birth. Um, if you are comfortable with it, raise your hand and we will have people come and pray over you where you're at. There's one right there. Um, thank you, Debbie, for um, just so some, some sisters just go over and pray over her right now. Uh, we have a few minutes, and um, if, if you are comfortable, like I said, just raise your hand, let us know. We'll be happy to pray for you, with you, um, how the Spirit feels left. I, we haven't done this before at this point in the service, but that's part of what we're just calling the glorious mess that is our family. We're a family. I am going to pray right now for Jeff Abney, who is not here this morning because he threw his back out last night. And so let me pray for him. Father, I just uh, come to you for my brother. Um, I told him we would pray in collective power. The prayers of a righteous gathered people who are only right because of what you have done and what we claim through you on the cross of Jesus Christ. We come to you and we lift our brother Jeff up to the throne of grace. But I want to pray right now, whatever time it is on the clock, I don't know, but I want to pray right now that he would have testimony to say this is when he felt better. We were, just like we have done with Stephanie and with Alex and with Jack and with many others, Lord, we will give you the glory. The, the power isn't in us other than that you're in us. So, Lord, whether it be Jeff, who's at home right now, comfort and heal him, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We come with an audacious ask, and that is physical healing for our brother. Jesus did it. He would, he would heal from a distance. He didn't have to physically touch, and, and neither do we, because Jesus himself said, as Brian reminded us, that we will do greater acts than these.
other people in this room that need prayer. Prayer for deliverance, prayer for healing, prayer for comfort, prayer for peace. Let them, let them not let this moment pass. Let them ask. Move on their hearts to ask. for the truth that we just sang. Thank you that um, you took what was broken and you made it whole. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for raising us up, Lord. And I thank you that 
at the end, we will all stand together and we are going to keep singing about grace because it's just that amazing. We can sing about it for all of eternity. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this room right now. Lord, I pray that your power would come fall on us. Lord, I pray that when we walk out of here, that we would be so full of your spirit that people we interact with all week would notice that we would be different, that we would have a mark on us and that mark would be your Holy Spirit, Lord. Pray that you would use us to go out and change the world this week, Lord. Change our little worlds for the glory of your kingdom, Lord, and your gospel. Lord, thank you for this place that we get to gather. Pray that you continue to be with us even now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song that we did a couple weeks ago. It's a little bit of a faster one. So if you want to get up on your feet, clap your hands, worship however you feel led.
do get to meet here through the end of August, praise the Lord. Huge answer to prayer. Um, the school that we were meeting in before says we can't return until mid-October, so prayer warriors, we heard it today. Let's get praying um, for the Lord's provision in that. Uh, groups are going to start September 7th, discipleship groups, so start praying about how the Lord is leading you to be a part of that. And um, just for connecting to Cornerstone for how to serve here, there's more information at the front tables when you walk in, so please look into that. Next week, we're going to talk about sharing his story. It'll be out of James 5, 19, and 20. And our sending passage comes from Psalm 54, 2. Oh, God, hear our prayer. Give ear to the words of our mouths. Amen. You guys are all dismissed. Have a great Sunday. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, the glories of